Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. On this week's episode, we're going to be chatting about the low attendance cap that was published for the Knoxville Regional Championships. Registration is going to be tonight, the night that we publish this episode. So if you're wanting to play in it, make sure you're registering because we'll talk about it a little bit more. But attendance cap is pretty low. Uh, We're going to talk about a discussion that we saw online this week, some foreign card language legality issues at regional championships, kind of our opinions on it, and maybe discuss if we think that's a rule that is a little outdated, maybe could change. We will, of course, have everyone's favorite segment of the cast. Guess that flavor text. And then we're going to close out this week's episode by talking about the upcoming Stuttgart Regional Championships this weekend in Germany. The meta for it, what we think is going to do well, and what will uh, be impacting the meta moving forward with San Antonio Regionals just one more week removed from that event. And then, of course, we're going to close things out over on our Patreon with our weekly bonus episode. If you want to get a little bit more content from Azul and me every single week, be sure to check out our Patreon patreon.com slash uncommon energy podcast my name is chip ritchie and i'm joined here as always by my friend and co-host azul gg what's up azul how we doing man how how's your week you're muted oh my gosh i didn't even realize <laughs> <laughs> yeah was how was like, your week Dead i was shaking <laughs> shaking my protein uh drink so i think i muted when i went to go shake it um week's been good really enjoying the Streaming, making content uh, lately, even though we're like a decent amount into the set, usually that's um, the biggest drive for that or the uh, yeah, the, the the most enjoyment comes out of doing it, you know, when a new set drops or decent, a decent amount into Paradox Drift. But there's like, there's like, it feels like the meta is actually evolving and decks are like changing where it feels like at previous metas, it did happen, but I don't feel like it doesn't, isn't, didn't happen at the rate that it currently is happening. Um, so yeah, I've just been really enjoying the game right now, really enjoying the meta. So it's leading to me enjoying, you know, the content today specifically uh, did some garage cleaning. We uh, had quite a bit of stuff to throw away. So we rented a, uh, uh, I guess it's not really a dumpster, but a trailer, one of those like really, really big trailers. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, filled it up part of a bunch of stuff in the yard, the garage and the house. So did a little bit of all cleaning, I guess. So I'm a little (laughs) bit tired and sore from that because we had to move around a bunch of stuff in the garage. Um, so yeah, a little bit tired and sore from that. So hopefully that doesn't impact my energy for the podcast tonight. But yeah, pretty good week so far. Um, and uh, yeah, I like throwing stuff away as well. I'm a big fan of getting rid of junk. So <laughs> I had a good time today getting to throw some stuff away. What about you, Chip? How was your How was your week? Pretty good. Really, not much going on. Kind of just relaxed at home. Went out and did some Christmas shopping this weekend with the wife and the kid. Um, yeah, just kind of a normal week, really <laughs> not much going on. And that's kind of true for it felt like for topics this week. We were talking about what we wanted to talk about on the podcast this week. And it's like, man, there really was like no crazy drama this past week. There's no new cards coming out. There's no new sets, anything like that. But I have a feeling it's kind of like a calm before the storm, right? You know, the <laughs> holiday season is going to kick up and then, you know, beginning part of the year, it's just going to be tournament after tournament. So lots to come for sure. Um, but yeah, just a pretty normal standard week. Yeah, the um, tournaments are are coming on. The, I guess we don't have that many. I mean, we got these two next two weeks, and then another three, nothing else until three uh, Portland. Until, yeah, three weeks till Portland, and then is it Portland and Charlotte are back to back, or is there one week? There's a between. week between them, I believe, and I don't yeah. know if there's anything in anywhere else in the world. I don't think so. 
Yeah, there's nothing in Latin America. There's like one more European regional listed right now. Um, I haven't checked their special events in a little, a little while. Yeah, I probably would have seen it on Twitter if there was like some surprise special event. Oh, there's which Liverpool. It does happen sometimes, right? Yeah, there's Liverpool at the end of January. And then. Okay, Dortmund, that's after Charlotte. Early February. I don't know whether they're sitting for special events. There's a special event in March for Europe. Um, that's it. Yeah, that's the only one scheduled still for the rest of the year. Yeah, like first week of February, there's also Melbourne. So, yeah, I guess like still no break. additional Latin America regionals, by the way. <laughs> yeah, or special events. Surely special there events. will be some in the beginning of 2024, right? Yeah, and still only the three major events for Oceania as well, just the three. And they, I think they maybe only had three last year. Besides, like without OCIC, they maybe only had three. I think one of them was a special event, though. So now they have three regionals this year. I'm not 100% sure on that, to be honest, but from what I can remember. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, definitely a lack of events everywhere else in the world. <laughs> Besides, I mean, Europe's doing okay. Uh, North America, we definitely always have it the best. Yeah, um, we do have the biggest player base as well, so it kind of goes hand in hand with that a little bit. But Latin America has like a really big player base too, and it's definitely been growing over over the years. Oh, and yeah. they haven't really been able to like kind of flex. Didn't they their... sell out Liverpool spots like instantly? And there was a lot of spots available. Liverpool that happened this past yeah, week. yeah, yeah. I think Liverpool did. Uh, sell out. I guess we could have. That could have been one thing we talk about, kind of in uh, it go, that goes hand in hand with our first topic, which is Knoxville. Uh, registration is going up uh, later today when y'all are listening to this. If you're listening to this on release day, but yeah, it was like it was like 1,200 masters. I think I want to say was the who is the tournament organizer? I'm gonna look it up. Tournament center. Tournament, tournament center. center. Yeah, um, and that registration went up. I could actually probably ch- no, I can't check it. I can't check how many are registered because I didn't register for the tournament. I can check if I could register. <laughs> go do that i assume i can't but i didn't see as many com- i didn't see a ton of i don't want to say call complaining but kind of frustration on twitter from lack of being able to register so let's go see if i can register right now and no, no it sold back. out i definitely saw a post that it sold out very quick oh really i didn't see i thought i saw less twitter maybe it's just kind of everyone expects it so no one there's no reason to complain yeah there was 1800 <laughs> spots 1800 spots 1200 and masters? they tweeted here i've got it pulled up here yeah, they tweeted the numbers out, which was cool to see them at least do that. It's a lot of, of tournament organizers nice. are doing that now, like yeah, putting yeah, out how many spots there were. So there's 1,800 spots for the regionals in Liverpool, which is like the largest by – like that's as many uh, of a cap as we see at U.S. regionals most of the time, right? Yeah. We are starting to see them be a bit higher. Like I think San Antonio is like over 2K now or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah it's, I can check that one right now. San but Antonio then, is at 2.02, oh, two, almost 2.4. Sheesh. Yeah, that's crazy. That is NASD, all divisions, though. Hopefully, I mean, I'm assuming they've got a pretty big space for NAIC this year. NAIC is going to be sick. Like, I, I feel like we could maybe get up to 3K players if they give us the room for it. We were talking 2K last year, I think. Um, but I think we could get up to 3K this year. But the numbers we're pulling for some of these regionals, it's just kind of yeah. crazy. And how much more international travel and competition there is now, too. That It's like probably, I would say, maybe the amount of people who are traveling out of region for tournaments has maybe doubled from last year because it's a lot more this season or people who would at least want to is maybe double. Um, But of course, registration kind of holds that stuff back a little bit. So I think that these numbers include all divisions, I guess. I thought they had a breakdown. I think they tweeted out a tweet with a breakdown of maybe maybe a reply here. No, it doesn't look like it. But um, they did tweet and said over 1,400 TCG master trainers registered in 25 minutes. Okay, that's still a decent amount of time. But it is that um, 
that the weird, weird lottery system. I did see some tweets from people who were trying to register that like never got through the queue. So I think yeah. they probably would have been higher still. And Arcanine did tweet out in response to someone that the system is going to change in 2024. I think it might have been to a reply to Rahul's tweet, maybe. I think Dana uh, replied to yeah. someone. Ar it was our. I think Arcanine I think replied. It was you can look at look at Arcanine Arcanine's replies. I'm pretty. I'm almost positive it was Arcanine that wrote did a reply to someone who tweeted like, "Dude, this system sucks. Like, what are we doing here?" And they were like, "Yeah." They were basically saying, "Yeah, the system sucks. We're gonna go to a." first come first serve system or is it just a different system do they basically? reply a lot that's good to see though the, it's good to see them actually like you know getting that information out there when people are curious or wondering things um yeah, it's nice to see them actually replying i think it's usually it's probably a good thing right <clears throat> yeah oh there we go we'll be rolling we, out a change early next year there are still spots on paid for so we suggest not giving up yet they don't tell us what the change is yeah so it was, it was smart kind of being like yo this is the current system kind of sucks and I think like, must have been the person who I saw that was trying to register and didn't get in. Yeah, and then they were like, and like that's gonna happen at, at all points, anyways. And like I, I bring it up all the time. It's good the events are capping. Like that does suck for some people, but it is good that we hit the cap, right? That means the game is growing. It gives a number for tos to work around as well going into next year. It's like okay, we hit the cap uh, in this amount of time at this size. Um, what can we do? What, what, what do we want to try and get for like venue space next year? How many players are we trying to have be able to compete next season? So it is a good thing we are hitting these caps because otherwise it kind of leaves the TOs in the dark. And it's like, well, we had a cap of 1600. We only got to 1450. Do we think there's going to be growth next year? What do we do? Do we just bring it down to like a 1400? Do we get a, a you know, smaller space because of that? But if we're constantly pushing caps. You know, they always know to go bigger, which is nice for them, I'm sure. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, the right this... hitting them. All of this does kind of lead into what our first point of discussion was going to be today, and that is going to be the Knoxville Regionals registration coming out tonight, the day that this podcast is posted. So it's going to be Wednesday, the 6th of December. Seven when registration Central. is going live at 7 p.m. Central time. The Centrals, bro. And they did release the event cap numbers and the TCG Masters number. You know, that's kind of the first one we look at, right? That's where we're at, where most of our friends and peers are at, right? And kind of the big driving point of discussion. Uh, 1,200 people is old. Yeah. And I have to imagine that's actually probably down from last year. Because last year there was uh, 1,140 players who competed. Yeah. So I have to, maybe 60 players were the no-shows. Maybe it was 1,200 last year as well. So it makes me think it's the same venue, same hall size, same cap or a little bit lower maybe because now maybe they have go if they didn't have go last year so they maybe had to cut into it a little bit i think they and, did have go last year okay then maybe or maybe they gave go more spots because i think go is growing as far yeah, as yeah. uh that's true uh scene go and vg as well i'm sure they probably up the vg cap for sure because vg like it's actually crazy how much the video game post scarlet and violet how many players that are showing up for the master's division for the video game because before it was like less than 100 sometimes i feel like at some of these regionals they were like well, yeah, Not so we there. only had like two regionals with Sword and Shield and then COVID. Oh, happened. OK. And they were breaking records when Sword and Shield came out. OK, so it was already kind of primed for yeah, it to yeah, happen yeah. with but Scarlet like, and Violet. The, what you're thinking of in like 2019, 2018, like, yeah, it was not that much. It was like a couple hundred was their big regionals, really. I feel like a big part of that has to be like um, Wolf kind of hitting or Wolfie kind of hitting mainstream YouTube the way he has. I feel like that's probably... He's definitely helped you know. their game grow a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Because he's like he's like mainstream YouTube now. I feel like he's hit like kind of that. Not just he's not as niche as a lot of the other <clears throat> competitive people like myself and stuff are. 
in uh in our games so and that's really good for the the growth of the game there yeah but 1200 like i said there's like the same cap that kind of sucks um and we did cap it last year i'm sure i'm sure we hit the cap last year it was packed in there um knoxville was yeah so, and day two yeah. events this tournament organizer is the same tournament they're the, they're the organizer who's doing um the same tournament organizer who's doing san antonio, antonio. which yeah. has the crazy high caps yeah. right so it's like they know that the demand is there, right? Like th this tournament organizer is very much aware that like there are more than 1200 TCG masters that probably want to compete in this tournament. Yeah. So I have to imagine this is like a venue space issue more than, yeah, anything. I think it was, it is the same location as it was last year. Yeah. I, they're probably just like, we're locked, we're locked in on doing it in Knoxville. The only venue that works is this one. And we can only get this much space. I'm sure. Yeah. Knowing day two, they would want more people and they'd want to provide a better space for people to show up to if they could. So yeah, it's just kind of unfortunate. I think, you know, this is definitely one of the situations where it's like knowing the, the TO and what they've done and what they're doing this year. Um, like, yeah, San Antonio, we almost got 2,400 TCG players. Like, it's a kind of, I think this is definitely fair to give them the benefit of the doubt and be like, they're kind of not ignoring the player the player base, right? Where I feel like, you know, other stuff, like especially with like the European TO specifically, it's kind of like, all right, you know, it's reasonable to be really frustrated over that. But yeah, this yeah. one's going to go fast. We're going to be... We're gonna be Europeans for a day uh, <laughs> later today. <laughs> it's gonna be. We haven't had this experience uh, in a little while. I feel like I feel like usually it's pretty comfortable to get into these. North American regionals have been capping, but it's been pretty comfortable to get into. They've been into capping them. after like a few days. Yeah, yeah. You got some time. You got some time. So you gotta live. Gotta live like a European for a day. A little bit later on. Yeah, I have um, to imagine this is gonna fill pretty much right away. Right. Yeah. One thing with this, and this is actually kind of frustrating. The more I think about it, and like it for growth of the game this is just really bad the lack of information out there is kind of crazy like i figured out about knoxville regionals registration going up through christopher shemansky's uh tweet and i follow day two on twitter and i didn't see their tweet now maybe i should have like checked whatever but it's just like there's no central they just tweeted two hours ago about it oh was that their first tweet uh six hours six hours ago oh okay so yeah so i only saw it because of uh shemansky's tweet and the biggest thing is there's no central hub for the information except for alex wilson sites ptcg legends where you can kind of go there and you have access to like look at all the events all the major events coming up um even ones outside of uh major tpci brand events uh, and then there's links to registration information like there's no other place where this exists and it doesn't really make any sense for it not to exist because even if you go to like the uh, the regional page on Pokemon, uh, Pokemon.com, the regional page where you can see all the regionals. Mm -hmm. You see the regional, you see the date. You don't know uh, when registration. Where, there's, there's no link to the site of where the tournament site because all these tournament organizers have a, have their own sites where they have all the information for the tournament on there. You do see the tournament organizer for the tournament, but it's like it's like uh it's like you're playing telephone to like hunt down, especially for newer players. This has to be so frustrating, like and annoying to be like okay. I, I googled Pokemon regionals and then I got to this page <clears throat> and then you're like, okay, oh, I live in Portland and I can go to that on the 5th to 7th in January. And then you're like, okay, now what? And they're like, okay, Gallery Games is running the event. So do who, who thinks, should I just Google Gallery Games? Like, how do you get from here to then you have to Google Gallery Games, Pokemon TCG regional Portland. Then you do that and then you get to their site uh, and then you don't even register on that site. <laughs> yeah. To, to register for the tournament you have to find out what rk9 is and then you have to be at rk9 at a time and date that is not even listed on rk9 like rk9 doesn't list the time and date they're a little bit ahead on knoxville actually this might be their their average i feel like 
the date and time on RK9 is only the day before. But like you can go to RK9 and you can see tournaments that are coming up. Um, but the registration time and date, even if it's available sooner, it's not up on RK9 until like the day before the uh the registration goes live, which is just like, yeah, it's just so crazy to me. So like I've done it before, but yeah, big shout out to, to Alex Wilson for putting all that info together in one place, one central hub on PTCG Legends, because it's just crazy. The like the the tele the information telephone game you have to play to figure this out. Now, if you're someone in the know, it's really not that hard, right? Like I know all this, I know where to go to figure out all this information. But if you're just like if you're someone who's trying to get player, into the game, yeah, like this is just ridiculous, man. It's actually if you're a parent absurd. trying to get your kid registered for the tournament. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Like you don't, you're not, you're not into the scene. You're maybe not even like a lot of parents. You know, they're not as in tune with. I guess a little bit more now they are, but you might not be as in tune with uh, the internet and like how to function and how to. Like, I mean, do come all on, these, bro. Like these parents now, like of juniors are like yeah, 35, probably, 40, probably. So still booming, still booming. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of it's. You know, you're only five years away from 35, right? <laughs> it's five and a half. Five and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it's crazy to me, dude, that like this is this hard and that a fan made site. Once again, shout out to Alex Wilson. Go check out his site, pdcglegends.com. There's more than just the tournament hub. Um, is like the best source of information for upcoming major tournaments in the Pokemon TCG. Like that's it's another thing that's just like it's it's like disappointment's not even the right word. It's just like mind blowing, you know what I'm saying? But now you know about PTCG Legends, so now you can like get all the information on one page. Uh, so you can I mean, realize that's in reality tournaments. like this information should be just on Pokemon yeah yeah, yeah. that's what i was gonna say yeah alex wilson's it's website it should be yeah alex wilson's tournament hub page should literally like that's what the pokemon.com page should look like um it's like it's like kind of sad that like someone like wilson has to like you know i'm sure wilson loves putting this together um and it's really it's really clean looking it's really nice and uh it's nice to have that information somewhere but like it's disappointing that it's not there to begin with from the uh from the the not the org i guess they're not the tournament organizers but like you know the uh play the play pokemon program or whatever <clears throat> that, that's not available there it's, it's just yeah crazy stuff crazy stuff it's a crazy time <laughs> to live in so many hoops to jump through to just get registered and get set up yeah. for a tournament <laughs> it's and just... it's like what's crazy as well as is like it's this difficult and this hard to make it happen and the game is still growing, right? Yeah, yeah. But imagine, imagine like where just, we like, would the be. Casual Pokemon fan could go on the website and be like, "Oh, I live in this place at this tournament that's in six weeks. I'm gonna register," and they would be able to register six weeks in advance. You know, be pr- that yeah, can't even be happen crazy. because registration probably will be sold out by that point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can't even like show up. Yeah, because like I mean, at least if if you had the information here, um, of uh, like if there was like a. You know, you could click on the tournament. The tournament organizer name was a link, and then there was also a link that said registration. Yeah, and then the the registration could still be on RK9, but every tournament should have a registration link, or at least a coming soon, right? If it said coming soon, and then ideally the registration link is available to you at least two weeks before registration goes live, and it takes you to the RK9 page. The RK9 page says uh, this tournament's registration doesn't open for two weeks at this time, and you're like, oh, now you know everything, right, from one page. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and if that's this the page is the you're gonna first find. Time they've posted it. I mean, it's the first time they put it on Twitter, at least, which is where a lot of people see it. I don't know when they put registration information on their website, but yeah, I'm not sure. Six hours ago, you know, we're recording this around midnight right now, Eastern time. Yeah. So 6 p.m. Eastern time, basically, just over 24 hours before registration. You know, 
Yeah, exactly. Like, that's not even enough notice for even yeah. people in the know sometimes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I feel like the page, I mean, thankfully, like, usually, like, there's, like, if you got, like, a group of Pokemon people, you know, you're in one of the you know, Facebook group or, or Facebook uh, Facebook chat or whatever, Messenger chat, usually got, like, you know, I don't know, like seven, eight people in there. One of them will usually see it. So like most people who are in the know have know someone who also also is in the know. And then yeah. that'll usually save the squad. Um, but yeah, the most, I feel like the most looked at page for Pokemon regional championship has to be that regional page, right? Like people just Google uh, Pokemon regional championships 2024. And then that page is the page they get and they go to that page, but then that page doesn't link anywhere else. You just get the name of the TO, yeah. which is just, yeah, which is not enough. I don't think. Yeah, um, and uh, even then, the, the name of the TO is new this season. Last season, there wasn't even that. So I don't even know how you would, like, it would be that much harder to find without the name of the TO. I don't know. It's just crazy. Um, but yeah, 1,200 is going to be pretty low for Knoxville. So uh, uh, hopefully it doesn't, yeah, hopefully can get in there myself pretty easily. and don't have to stress about it, but we'll see. I'll be registering later today myself. Yeah. I'm going to make it. Fingers crossed for you. May the odds be ever in your favor. That kind of feels like <laughs> that's where we're at right now, almost. Um, yeah, definitely just unfortunate. And like I said, I think that day two events definitely would love for it to be bigger, but it's just kind of more than more than likely, and I am assuming this a little bit, it is uh, more than likely something to do with the fact of just the space of the venue. But yeah, looking forward to it. I'm sure it's going to be a great event regardless, even if it is going to be p- potentially one of the smaller tournaments of the year at North America, people, which yeah. is pretty wild to say still right how many are registered yeah. for portland do you have that number look at it it was like uh yeah for it's north america will be one of the smaller but like europe and latin america they just don't have the opportunity to kind of like yeah to show how big it could yeah, be to like flex their the flex the what the community is doing there. like the numbers how big the community's gotten in those regions they don't even get the opportunity because the caps are so so small like courage was 400 latin america has one regional so far this season yeah uh it's already Insta-cap. happened Instacapped at 400 players. That's and they. I mean, I'm sure something else will come up for them, but yeah, there's nothing on the the list. I guess they had LAIC, of course, but there's nothing on the list right now. Um, Portland is 1750 right now, and I can still register for it. So, oh, really? It's not sold out. Oh, okay. So yeah, if anyone's interested in going to Portland, you can still register for it. Apparently, what about Charlotte? Can you still register for Charlotte? I assume not because the East Coast. Is that that even gone live yet? Well, I hope so. I'm registered for it. Me and 2,200 players are. So unless we all got in. <laughs> like, I didn't realize that one had already happened. Yeah. Oh, wait, did you hear about one of the registrations opened an hour early? Was that? I did Liverpool? hear about that. I did what hear about that? that. Arcanine tweeted about it as well. Yeah, Some they issue. said we're sorry. They had preset the timer for with not accounting for daylight savings time, I think is what it was. It was like they preset um, the timer pre-daylight savings and then daylight yeah. savings happened. Yeah, so it opened an hour early. Uh, who does who's going to check if registrations open an hour early <laughs> not even i'm doing that like i'm there on the second it goes open but like i didn't think about trying to check for it early you might have to I have to start doing that what was this one for for san antonio oh, san antonio. oh it was for the like the third wave the yeah. reopening the registration yeah but this is one of those things like this is like this is one of those things where it's like i'm not mad at arcanine for this you know i don't think this is kind of mistakes a, a, happen a people coming. are human yeah. right yeah, this is one of those things where it's like, and of course they, they and they immediately tweeted about it. And we're like, they don't you know, they feel bad when things um, happen like this. That's the best you the can future. hope for is that they communicate the issue, right? Exactly. But like day after day of the links not being added to the regional page gets kind of annoying. It's like you have you know like every single day you could add them and you're just choosing not to. So it's also point, by the way, annoyed. can still register for San Antonio regionals right now. Oh, sheesh, really? All right. Yep. Well, apparently also the so the hour it, it opening an hour early wasn't a. Uh, uh at the cost it depends of on the game i guess right 
True. Could be an issue for like VG or something like that. Yeah, I guess if it opened, for, yeah, they probably opened at the same time. Well, I don't, did more VG spaces even get added? Is maybe just TCG Masters that got added? I'm not sure. That's pretty common. I'm not thing. sure when day two opened up more spots as well. I did see uh, in San Antonio, there's going to be a retro side event. But you can't use Sunday. proxies at all, right? I did see that. Who's going to be able to play in that? <laughs> Who's going to be able to play in that? I wonder if... Uh, I'm going to play in it. <laughs> that, uh, when is that? On Sunday? Yeah. What do you mean? Wait, I wonder if uh, Ballard is going to be loaning out his gold decks. I wonder if Ballard... I think, yeah, I think it could be a situation as well as, like, you know, people who are playing in it have... Oh, there's, dude, you underestimate, like, how many people... Have old decks? Have old decks. Like, a lot Speaking of people of old have decks. these decks, but not everyone does, and... I, yeah. you know, it is kind of unfortunate um, that, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, the retro event. Here it is. Um, it is kind of unfortunate that proxies are not allowed. They do allow the world championship cards. So that's at least okay. something. That's something, yeah. Um, and it's probably like a situation of just like, there's not really a great way to regulate it. Like, you know, if someone has a mixed deck of real cards yeah. plus proxies. It's a side event. It's like we're not taking it too seriously. Like, what is the? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it would be fine for something that old and that kind of exclusive at this point. Like, it's kind of kind of bad to limit it by that much. But like, how many proxies would you allow, and what quality of proxies? What kind of proxies? Yeah, it maybe maybe I'm like it's just like it, it sounds bad to not allow proxies, but then allowing proxies is like maybe the uh, way you kind of have to go. Um, Twenty four world champion autographed cards. Oh, wait, autographed by Yamato? Yep. That's pretty sick. That uh, is pretty sick. Pretty... I might try and play in this. Uh, drop drop another day one. Borrow one of Chip's uh, decks, and then... That's yeah, pretty that's, cool, huh? That is that is pretty sick. Yeah, Chip, bring an extra 2004 deck, just in case. Yeah, if I end up going. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was going to say, speaking of old decks, when I was cleaning out the garage, I found like all my uh, boxes when I moved here, and I found my Shuppet deck, because I didn't know where it was. Ooh, okay. Same but... 60 that you played back then? No, I rebuilt it uh like 2018. I think that big. stuff's really cool, like having the actual cards yeah. that someone used. It would have been cool. I like debated like I don't know, but like in the moment it's like I've like thought about like trying to keep my um well my OCIC deck uh CGC graded for me, which is pretty sick. And I showed that yeah. off on, on my YouTube uh in a YouTube video. Uh but I was thinking about like doing the same thing with my NAIC deck, but then I was in the moment I was like, bro, it's just gonna be such a hassle to have to get more Arceus and flying Pikachu's, bro. I was like, I don't want to like save it's these. A, like, <laughs> it's like such a minor but hassle. Though. Yeah, yeah, it is a minor hassle. I just, you know, just literally order them the next day and be fine with it. Uh, so yeah. I probably should have done to be honest. I think for majors dubs like that, it's just worth keeping just because yeah, yeah. it's cool, you know? Yeah. In Definitely 10 years, you might plan. appreciate. You're not a very material person, I guess. So like, like things like that, I like those, those, those are the kind of things I do think is cool to be honest, to potentially have. So. Like, things like that are like not especially like yeah they have a little bit more meaning to me personally like kind of keeping that stuff around but yeah speaking of uh regionals major tournaments uh another thing that i personally want to talk about just bring up as kind of a discussion was uh the the idea of using um what was i gonna say foreign cards um yeah cards not normally legal not... in the region basically at u.s regionals if you're competing at a U.S. regional championships, 
you have to play with English cards by the rules at the moment. Yeah. But if you're competing in an international championships or at the world championships, you're able to use cards that are legal in that region or from your home region. Okay. And the idea is, you know, there's people international championships, there's people competing from international, uh, internationally and worlds. There's people competing from all over the world. Right. Yeah. Uh, but for regionals, it's just in the past, at least has always been such a, regional based thing like there's just not that many people going from different countries to go compete in other tournaments but it has happened a few times over the years like i know there's japanese players that have come and competed in orlando regionals in the past players from brazil or argentina like uh, any south american country that have come up for orlando regional specifically i think it's just like a lot cheaper to fly there than maybe even some places uh within their own continent right but um yeah a lot of times those players have had to get all English cards. Now, tournament organizers have in the past made exceptions and allowed people to use cards from their home region. Um, but it is a case-by-case -case basis. That's at least like the experience that I, I feel like I've seen people talk about. Yeah, like you have to reach out to the TO and be like, can I use these cards? Um, <clears throat> and I think like for a long time, it was kind of just assumed that even at ICs, you couldn't use the regions, local regions cards, but that seems to not be the case anymore. It's like, yeah, the, the rules have definitely like gotten yeah. updated at some point along the way, but yeah, at ICs and worlds, you can use cards in your deck that are legal in that region or from your home region always. Yeah, Like and you could use Japanese cards at worlds, but your deck had to be fully Japanese be full because Japanese, the yeah. backs of the cards are different. So because of that, like competitive integrity, you had to like only use Japanese cards if you wanted to play with any Japanese cards, but yeah, the discussion has been had multiple times around, should there be a limitation to what cards, what language of cards you can use besides obviously, like if you're playing Japanese cards, you should have to play a full Japanese deck at any tournament. Um, and in the past, actually, back when I used to play, you could use up to 10% of your deck, was it 10%? Yeah, up to 10% of your deck could be uh, non-English cards, I guess. Yeah, up to 10% of your deck could be non-home region cards. So a lot of people use Japanese cards because they were cheaper. And you could even use Japanese cards, if I remember yeah, correctly. You yeah, could yeah. use Japanese cards, even though the backs were different and like the, the, the card, card stock, stock was different. different. Um, so yeah, people could do that. Back when I started playing in 2010, you could up to 10% of your deck, I believe, could be. And I think before that, all of your deck could be. And then they went from all to 10% to none. I think the year after that, they went to, you have to use your region's cards. And I think that's, yeah. I think that was probably maybe their answer to being like, well, Japanese cards are so different from English cards. We probably shouldn't allow that, but they could have just made it be if you want to use Japanese cards, if you use a whole Japanese deck. But, there was also yeah. a famous incident at, I think it was Worlds, maybe. Um, one of the things back in this time frame, right, in 2010, not everyone had a smartphone. Like, most people didn't have smartphones, yeah. really, in 2010. Uh, and if they did, they didn't always have, like, internet access wherever they went. So um, back then, if you had foreign cards in your deck you also had to bring with you a printed out mm. reference sheet and the sheet would have direct translations of the cards that were in your deck uh and i've only ever heard this story secondhand as well you know having been around longer feel free to jump in and correct me if i get anything wrong here uh because i'm sure you've heard this story many times but there was apparently some kid at some tournament that put a dust skull on his reference sheet and for those who don't know, we actually talked about this in the episode with Dan, TDM, a few weeks ago. Uh, there was a Dusk Nor that was very powerful. It had a poker power that said if your opponent has four or more 
Pokemon on their bench, you get to choose one of them and put it directly back into their deck. Just shuffle it back into yeah, their deck. Really Extremely good. powerful card, just removing, basically forcing your opponent to play with three bench Pokemon the entire game. Incredibly right. strong. And you could rare candy a Pokemon into play immediately. So in one turn, you could bench Duskull, rare candy to Dusknoir, and use its ability or its Pokemon power. Um, but apparently there was some kid somewhere along the way that put a Duskull on his reference sheet. So it'd be on the table. His opponent would see there's a Duskull right there. Oh, my opponent plays Duskull. They have to play Dusknoir. So I got to play around Dusknoir this entire game. Said kid did not actually have Dusknoir in his deck. <laughs> this is the story I've heard, at least, as a little. Yeah, well, I haven't heard that story specifically, but I don't. I, it wasn't like people would like print out images of the cards that they had translations of, and you wouldn't have to show your opponent the image of the card until it got you revealed played. the card. Um, so they didn't get to know what was in your deck ahead of time. But what I did hear some people would do is they would just have the printed out image of a card, and they would just before the card came into play, they would just have it face up. Yeah, and then they yeah, so like that's what they would do. They would print out an image of a, a Duskull or a Dusnor. And I was like, oh, and he'd be like, oh, this is for my uh, translation for one of my cards. And then they would just open it and show it face up instead of waiting to like to then make your opponent think they played the card and then they didn't play the card. And I have to imagine this would like, I don't know, I don't remember hearing about anyone who got in trouble for this or I don't remember anyone doing it as well, like that I played against or at a tournament that I played in. Um, so I don't know if it ever really happened that much. Um, or I don't know about any like famous story specifically like at Worlds or anything like that. I don't remember, that's not off the top of my head, I don't remember that, but. Um, people definitely did do it, um, and I have to imagine that probably would fall under. If they got caught doing it, they yeah. probably got to be a DQ from a tournament, right? Like that has to fall under, again, Spirit of the Game for sure. And I feel like Spirit of the Game doesn't get brought up as much as anymore as it used to, to be honest. Now that I just like brought up Spirit of the Game, like no one refer. I feel like way less people refer to Pokemon, like something being bad or you can't do it because of Spirit of the Game. It's more though people are just saying, people just kind of just say you're cheating now. It's like that's just cheating or you're cheating. Um, I feel like Spirit of the Game doesn't get brought up as much as as much as it used to um it definitely like it's tough too though because it's so much gray area right? yeah yeah it is really like gray area it's like pokemon's own interpretation of what should and shouldn't be allowed based on being a you know a, like a a, a a competitor or like being um a good sport however you want to kind of call it so um but i just feel like that word doesn't get used or that term doesn't get used as much as it used to just now that i mentioned it now it just kind of made me think about it um but all this to say uh a lot of people think, and actually, I used to be on the other side of this. Uh, a lot of people kind of seem to think that we should just be able to play any language cards we want to at uh, tournaments, as long as the backs of them are similar, like we mentioned about Japanese cards. And my opinion initially was it's probably best to, to do the the region-locked languages to kind of make it easier on the tournament staff and judges and stuff to have like less rulings and stuff. But everything I've heard from worlds and ICs from judges and like European events where there's like 10 different languages or something they can use. Um, or I see it there on your screen, six different languages that they can use. Um, there doesn't seem to be a problem with the, the multiple languages um, at a frequent, at a high rate at tournaments like that. There's not that many issues with it. Everyone knows what all the good cards do. Yeah. And really people are only playing good cards. So yeah, I don't remember. Honest, oh, go ahead. I, I don't remember who it was, but that like this discussion has come up a few times yeah. over the last couple of years or so, but it was a couple months ago. Someone brought this up and it was a European player who lived in the UK. He brought up and said, whenever quick ball was legal, I played foreign retro quick balls, which those who don't know 
the old quick ball had a very different text than what the current quick ball is. And he was also playing foreign quick balls. And because he lived in the UK, he was able to play. I, th I think they might've been like Italian or German. Like, I don't know exactly what language it was, but yeah. it was some non English language that he himself did not speak. And then also being in the UK, <laughs> like not many other people speak it, but he used these cards at league cups, league challenges, regionals, whatever it was that he went to. And not once was there ever a question of what does that card do? You know, no one ever no. had to ask like, what are we doing there? Because people just know what the good cards do for the most part. Yeah. Now, not everyone does, right? Especially if you're playing at locals, like league challenges and stuff like that. Like there's a decent chance you're playing against someone who's playing in their first tournament. They've got a league battle deck. That's all they've got. They're rocking with it, competing for the first time, giving the game a chance. You might play down, you know, a foreign Mu V max and they've got no idea what that does. Right. Yeah then you would need some help. Um, but like, it's not hard to look that up. You just call it. It's a not hard. And I think that's like, kind of the big thing here is that this rule is maybe rooted a little bit more in the past whenever it wasn't easily available for anyone to just know yeah. what a card does. Um, because even uh, like players can't use their phones at the table. So I, I like, I don't think people should be like, you know, pulling it up uh, on at the table, like if someone doesn't know what a card does, but it's very easy to call a judge over. Judge whips out their phone real quick, looks things up. At these regional championships, they've got Wi-Fi for the staff and stuff like that. So it's like this should be manageable for them to pull it up and say what the card does, and we can move on. So I have to think that this is a little rooted in, like, we had so many issues with this in the past. Um, and then, like, also for the most part, it's, like, really not that big of a deal for, like, 99% of players, right? Because 99% of people who are playing at North American regional championships are from the U S and are playing English cards because that's what they have anyway. Right. Yeah. But as the game is continuing well. to grow and there's more and more people coming from Europe and South America. And, you know, I mean, of course people in Mexico have been coming up for years because it's closer <laughs> to come from Mexico here than it is to go to South America for a lot of them. Uh, and that's, you know, where this discussion kind of started was from Pablo, a Mexican player who's wanting to use Spanish language cards um, and is, isn't able to because it's a regional championships in North America, not an in internationals or worlds. Am I missing something? It says Latin America languages are English and Spanish. Whereas... That is interesting because Portuguese should definitely oh. be there as well, right? No, it says country additional legal languages under that. Oh, 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 yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's okay, 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 okay. I guess that's fine, yeah. But yeah, it feels like this should just be removed. I don't think legal languages should just kind of be removed. The only thing that should enforce is like, if you want to play Japanese cards, you have to play a whole Japanese deck because the backs of the cards are different. Um, and the stock is, the stock of the cards is a little bit different as well. So even if you play sleeves where you can't see the back, I think it would be fair to just be like, back of the cards are different. You have to play all cards with, the, with those backs. Because yeah, we have more international competition. A lot of players, you know, like, even if they can afford to travel to especially for like mexico right if you're a player in mexico probably have spanish cards uh it's it's not like that ridiculously expensive you know to come from mexico to america mm -hmm. but do you really want to buy a whole new deck in english like i don't know that seems kind of like unnecessary and it seems like yeah, it just yeah. kind of seems like this rule is outdated. cards in your home language yeah like it kind of seems like this rule is kind of just a little bit outdated like it doesn't seem to be that big of it doesn't seem like there's that many issues or that many judge calls around foreign cards because we kind of have european tournaments to kind of reference for this right i guess the only thing you could argue is there's probably a lot of judges at european tournaments that can speak multiple languages so it's a little bit yeah. easier to translate but you can just look up the card on your phone like, i mean and i have to imagine when these translations like i walked by a translation happening at worlds this year 
Uh, it was an American player versus a Japanese player. And the Japanese player put a Drapion V-Star in play. The American player didn't know what Drapion V-Star did, which, you know, not the most unreasonable thing. <laughs> like, not a super highly played card. You would definitely want to yeah. double check and make sure, even if you kind of knew what it did, you would kind of want to make sure you knew exactly what it did at Worlds, right? Um, and I walked by the table as, you know, the judges are uh, talking about it. There's a translator there, all those things, talking to both players. And judges on their phone looking at the picture of the card, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> they solve it like that anyway. Yeah, so it's pretty easy to it's pretty easy to like for any for as many judge calls as there would be around this, it'd be pretty easy for them to be solved pretty quickly. Um, and I'm sure in a lot of situations too, like um, if the players speak a similar language, like probably English would be the the biggest crossover language probably in the Pokemon TCG. Um, a lot of times people just be like, "Yo, what does that do?" They just ask their opponent. Like I've had to do that before, where I play against a European player and I have to like, "Yo, what does that exactly do?" Like I want to know like the attack on a basic Pokemon or something. And then they just tell me, and I'm okay with that. Like, I like that. Like, a lot of them get resolved that way as well. Is like yeah. players just it's communicating just it to each other. Yeah. So yeah, I, I honestly think now at this point, like before I was on the other side of it, where it's like whatever's easiest for the judges. Um, so that was so like we'll keep. I think the languages should probably be region locked. Whatever's easier to make the tournament run the smoothest, but it doesn't seem like it's a hindrance on the tournament to allow people to kind of use whatever language they want. So I, I'm now in the other camp where I'm like, I think uh, we should just get rid of this. This, all the language yeah. schools in general they shouldn't exist and we should allow, make it easier for international competition at least at regionals and above like i can understand it maybe a little maybe bit more for, yeah, maybe challenges for cups, cups and challenges yeah. and stuff like that you have to still use english cards but like maybe with the exception of you know you put this little caveat that already exists in here in exceptional circumstances head judge or organizer of any tournament may choose to make an exception to the rules regarding legal languages. So like, if you just leave that in there and it's like, okay, at NAIC this year, someone comes two week, uh, two weeks early and wants to play in a league cup that they live in Germany. They have German cards. Okay. Yeah. That maybe you ask the TO and they're able to make an exception. To be honest, it sounds like the TOs could actually take this into their own hand and just be like, yep, every language is legal. Right. Yeah. TOs but could literally, but I don't like, know that anyone but, wants to take on the burden of having to do that. Are they, I think are realistically they really we're fighting? talking about it, though, it wouldn't be that big of a burden, but it's like yeah. there's definitely got to be just like hesitancy there to just blanket say, yep, yeah, sure, any language is legal. Yeah, but it, it almost doesn't seem like it's like they're kind of like sticking it to TPCI. It would just be kind of like, well, they said we can do it. We're just going to do it, and because it's not going to create a hassle, no one's going to care. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I don't think it's like one of those things where it's like, oh, we're going to stick it to the man, uh, in this case, which is Big Pikachu, a.k.a. TPCI, but they're just like, I mean, we could just do it. Just do it. I don't, and as long as there isn't like a big hassle about it, then which I don't think there would be, then I don't know. The TOs could just kind of make the rule. And then eventually when TPCI sees like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Well, we should probably just change the rules then if all the TOs are going to. Yeah, the, I mean, this is definitely a situation. I, you're right. I don't think they will go out of their way to do that. But theoretically, the TOs could all just be like. It could happen, sure. Just open up the. With the way the rules are written. Yeah. I didn't actually think about that until you read that right there. But I was like, there is currently a workaround. You just need the TOs to kind of step up and be the the voice of the people in this kind of situation um but yeah i'm always, i'm kind of all down for things that make sense to increase international play and this is this is one of those things and it feels like it's a pretty small thing overall so i'm i'm all for it all right well with that being said we're gonna move on in the podcast we do have to take just a second to give a huge shout out and thank you to our sponsor dragon shield for supporting us here at the Uncommon Energy Podcast, Dragon Shield, of course, makes the best card gaming and tabletop gaming products and accessories on the market. As well, and I love their sleeves. They've got all kinds of other products, of course, as well. We've used binders, deck boxes, and so, so much more. 
Yeah, they actually sent me one of the one of the the their advent calendars. Oh yeah, I got that um, too. Yeah. Did I mean, you get the? Did you already open it or did you? Are you waiting? Oh, like the the thing in the back. Yeah. No, I haven't opened that yet. No. Okay, so you don't know what the, <laughs> the sleeves look like. No. Oh, I didn't even know what sleeves. Last year, I think it was just more candy. Um, no sleeves last year. Was it? Yeah. Did you throw them out? I'm tripping. No, I did eventually figure it out. For some reason, I thought it was. You were having a hard time. Yeah. I yeah, I almost threw it away, but then I was like, "This is too heavy to like." There's gotta be something in here. Yeah, and then I noticed like there's like the middle part where there's like nothing. But yeah, any excuse to eat more chocolate, I'm kind of down for. So yeah, shout out to Dragon Shield for the advent calendars and all the great products that they make. Um, appreciate them supporting the podcast as always. You can check them out over at dragonshield.com slash webshop slash US or you, depending on where you're located. And of course, as always, they're literally available everywhere else you go. They are there, and that's because they're the best. Appreciate it as always. Thanks, Dragon Shield. Also, real quick, I'm just gonna show it. I don't, do you want to be spoiled on what the Christmas sleeve is? Or are you gonna wait until? No, you. It's fine. It's fine. You can spoil it. It's not a big deal. <laughs> I didn't know, bro. I didn't know. Here it is. We got <laughs> no reindeer on the rooftop. <laughs> we got Santa with the dragons on the rain uh, on the rooftop. There they are. Does one of them have a a red nose? Oh no, is that one does right there, right? Uh... On the right side. Okay. No, it's got a cookie in his mouth. <laughs> oh, to me, He's it looks fiend, like a red bro. nose. <laughs> He's yoinking Santa's cookies. Dude, oh, my gosh, bro. Oh, wait, no, no. Look, the sleigh in the back is still being pulled by the reindeer. Oh, so are the dragons just like the elves? They're just menaces, I guess. I guess, yeah. They're 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 stealing the... <laughs> I guarantee you on the back of the box, I did not read the back of the box. I need to do that. I guarantee you there is lore about oh, it, <laughs> the little there dragons. There always is. <laughs> There always is the lore, bro. The Dragon Shield lore is unparalleled. Dude, that's got to be such a fun job. Like, your your job is to just come up with lore for <laughs> Dragon Shield products. Like, that's got to be, be a pretty sick gig. You to be pretty creative in that one. Well, with all that being said, it is time to move on to everyone's favorite segment of the podcast. Yes, that flavor text, where each week Azul or I will pick a card, read its flavor text, and have the other host try to guess which Pokemon is featured on that card. We do keep track of score. Currently, it is 16 me and zero to Azul. If you can, wow, I just said zero. You had 16 to me and 10 to you. Sorry. <laughs> Okay, I was like, what the heck? Yeah, I, <laughs> I wish. Like, yeah, 16 0. No, no, you've gotten a few points here and there. Yeah, I've got a couple. Got 16 a couple. to 10, 16 to 10. Um, and yeah, if you get the card right without using any of our lifelines, you get four points. So Azul has a good opportunity to make up some ground here, but I have a feeling we'll have to use some lifelines. And the uh, three lifelines you can use for each one of these you use, you do lose a potential point you could earn. And the three lifelines are what set the card is from, what stage the card is, and read an attack name. It is my turn this week. I've got a card picked out. We'll see if Azul can make up some ground. Are you ready, Azul? I'm ready. Hit me with the chip. All right, here we go. Once it becomes an adult, it has a tendency to let its comrades plant footprints on its back. Oh, my gosh. Um... So, well, that means it's not stage two. So it's probably a basic or a stage one, but it sounds like a basics flavor. Actually, that could be a stage one flavor text, I feel like. That could be a stage one flavor text, actually. All right, give me it one more time before we get into the lifelines. I definitely have to use yep. a couple here, it sounds like. 
once it becomes an adult, it has a tendency to let its comrades plant footprints on its back. So Pokemon that probably lets other Pokemon that are the same Pokemon plant footprints on its back. I have like a Pokemon in my head right now, but I can't think of what it's called. That has that could be it because it has. If I'm thinking about it, if I, like in my head, some turtle Pokemon. I don't think it's like Torkoal, like a basic. But I guess do. But Pokemon still age technically, even if they are just like a basic the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Um. All right, well, we gotta go with some flavor texture. Give me uh to be honest, this one helps you out more than I you think it usually does. Give me what set the card is from. But maybe it's just because it's the most useful one, even if it helps me less than it helps you. Like, it's still the most useful one. Yeah, it's what so set is the card useful. from? Yeah. All right. The set the card is from is Heart Gold, Soul Silver, Undaunted. Oh, okay. I was hoping you'd stop at Heart Gold, Soul Silver. Because <laughs> that one I can think about a little bit better than some of the other. Yeah, I still don't got anything, to be honest. All right, give me, give me an attack name. Tail Wrap. Tail Wrap? That sounds like it could be a. It's probably a basic. Um, for some reason, Skitty came to mind. Um, maybe I should just run off that. To be honest, yeah, let's go with Skitty. Skitty honestly seems like not a bad guess, but unfortunately, what was it? Meowskarada? Or it is baby incorrect. Meowskarada did not exist in Heart Gold Soul Silver. Okay, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what I thought about as well. As soon as I said, I was like, eh, it's probably a newer Pokemon. All right. It is. Go, ahead, go with the last uh, flavor textual or the last lifeline real fast. Yeah, first. the last lifeline. It is a basic, so you okay. were you were on yeah. track there. You know, it is a non-evolving basic as well. I'll say so. Oh, uh, okay. You were definitely cool. on track, and I'll I'll give you one more hint that I think I'll let you get it right away. It has a Poke Power. This card was very good. You definitely played with it at some point. The Poke Power is Portrait. Oh, it's Smeargle. Oh, it oh, yeah, it Smeargle. does have. Oh, I've, I've, people attacked with tail wrap. They didn't want to, but sometimes that's all you had. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you had to. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, you have announced this attack before, probably. I think, yeah, I think I definitely have for sure. Yeah. Ooh, and this. Yeah, this was a pretty good hey, card. Dude, for... You flip two coins, you just KO a Garchomp C. You know, like. Yeah, I think people. I think this card was actually underplayed because this came out but wasn't played for a long time. This was not yeah, played for a true. long, which is kind of crazy because those those formats back then were definitely more supporter based. Uh, the ability looks at your opponent's hand, and if there's a supporter supporter there, you just use that supporter. And it's not like Juniper was like a four of in every deck. Um, and when this card was played, Juniper was a four of every, pretty much a four of in every deck. So like, yeah, because like the only thing that one of those things to be scared of would be like, ooh, well if I copy Juniper, I discard my whole hand. Yeah, um, when this card came out, the popular supporters were like Cyrus's Conspiracy and Roseanne's Research, Bebe's Search. Yep, pretty good ones to copy. Professor Oak's New Theory, like all very good supporters to copy. Pokemon Collector, like... Yeah, people did start to play it a little bit, if I remember, in Gyarados, I want to say, and maybe a little bit in Dialga Chomp. I think I saw it in Dialga yeah, Chomp at times. A deck like Gyarados, I think, would make sense because uh, your deck does not need energy to attack. Right. And that's maybe yeah. one of the issues with this card, like not being played before um, that, like 2012. It was really popular in like 2012. That was this was, yeah. that was kind of the time that Smeargle began to shine, 2011, 2012. Yeah, um, Skyro Bridge eventually. But we had Unknown Q back when this thing first. That came is out. true. I did forget I about that. This card had to have just been underplayed, to be honest. It had Unknown Q, like. Yeah. 
I feel like this card had to have been underplayed because it was ridiculously powerful pe when people were playing it. So maybe not though. Like when I always think about those the old formats, I always like think is like how underdeveloped were decks just based on the uh not the lack of information share, but the less information share because less information share doesn't equal worse. It just means different for sure. Definitely, decks um, got were not nearly as refined nearly as quickly. Yeah, it took a while, but how? I, that's what I wonder is like. I feel like nowadays we're getting closer to max potential for stuff, but like back then, how how like were we were we only like fifty percent there before the format changed? You know, like it's tough it's tough to tell. It is tough to tell for sure. You'd have to like go back and get a lot of people to play a format to really like attempt to refine it. Yeah, but and like sure really like close. put time into it, right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, really good card from back in the day. Kind of sucks I missed on this one, but <laughs> it does make sense. Though. I didn't I realize he had a little footprint on his back. It does not look like his feet, though. I mean, I think it's like a, you know, like a pad foot, you know, kind of like a dog or a cat, right? Oh, sure. It's just the pads. Yeah. That's really big, though, for how, like, I feel like that, I'm just saying, like, that Look at these feet, up. bro. Yeah, but they're, like, long feet. They're not, like, wide feet. That looks wide. Mm, All true, I'm saying, true. I don't think a smear goal left that print. I don't know what did, but. Well, maybe I mean, instead of actually print, planting oh, it, like it says, draw. maybe it painted it. Oh, maybe, maybe. But it does say plant footprints on its back. Okay, yeah. So it is definitely being stepped on. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, we can so move on, Azul, to our kind of main topic this week, and that is going to be the Stuttgart Regional Championships this coming weekend, taking place over in Germany, over in Europe. Off the heels of Gdansk just a couple weekends ago with San Antonio just around the corner. Still a lot of uh, stuff happening in this meta, right? We're coming off of Snorlax winning. People are definitely going to be adjusting, moving forward. It's kind of crazy the amount of different, like, basic tech Pokemon you could play in the format right now. Yeah. We've got Jirachi. We've got <laughs> Manaphy. We've got the Minior. Uh, I feel yeah, like this yeah. is going to be a new upgrade to the the meme you tweeted a while ago of, like, this is what Pokemon boards look <laughs> like now. With I the mean, Charizard's not far. And Charizard's not far from uh, from a board like that. Um, and actually, and also it's like a really fast turnaround for the European players, right? Two weeks. They usually don't have regionals this close to each other, I feel like, uh, very often. But I guess Liverpool into Dortmund is going to be a pretty quick turnaround as well for them, January into February. So, um, yeah, uh, there's not like it's same format, obviously, but definitely some shakeups. And it does feel... Uh, the for maybe that's one of the reasons that the format feels so good right now because there does feel like there's a little bit more flow to the format, right? This deck's good now, but now you can but you can counter that deck now. If that deck's getting countered, is it going to be worth to play? Is it going to be less popular? Because now if, now you can play a deck that has a bad matchup to that deck, right? And I'd say the 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 big uh the big decks in the format right now, I think Guardian Charizard are kind of the top two. We saw that at LAIC. Uh, Gdansk was weird though because Marina was the most popular deck by a lot at 16% in day one. Didn't have the greatest showing. Uh, Juho did get ninth, so close to a back-to-back -to -back top eights at majors there. Pretty crazy. Um, but I predict Guardian Charger to probably be the top two going into to Stuttgart this weekend, probably by a decent amount. I don't think I think they're going to be like solidly the top two uh, for I sure. I think maybe the big question on most people's minds off of Poland a couple weeks ago is: Should you respect Snorlax? I feel like that's kind of like one of the big questions. I mean, Poland um, and Brisbane, right? Like it did well. Yeah, at yeah, both. it did well in Brisbane too. Yeah. Um, after getting top eight at LAIC. Um, and it's like the ways that you respect it, right? Uh, but yeah. also, how do the Snorlax players respond to the respect, right? Like, if you're going into 
Stuttgart this weekend playing Snorlax, like you have to know you're going to see some mini ores floating around, right? Yeah, the ores got to be there, or at least people may more people play a lane decks that probably beat you. Um, mini ores, more switch cards, turros, stuff like that. There's got to be more respect. People are going to be more prepared, and everyone will have a game plan for sure. Yeah, and there are tech cards though that you can include in Snorlax, specifically like the Mawile Defiance Vest, which I think actually, uh, no, I don't know if anyone played it at dance campus played defiance vest i think i don't know if there was a mawile in campus's list though there was the defiance vest uh it's top 16 yeah 13. i'm gonna look at the statistics oh was anyone rocking the the... And see if anyone had it yeah so the mawile depending on what the mini or is in the mawile can be pretty good against mini or but it is matchup dependent uh because if they're just playing like a mini or and a maridon deck maridon also plays four switch cards so the mawile is probably not going very far so winning that match. So it is matchup dependent how good the Mawile is as an answer to Minior. And I'm sure there's other answers out there that people have. Do you know what beats Mawile? Switch. A second Minior. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should only hit it for... Oh, no, you don't do any damage. To that no, no, you just go attack or oh. treat and attack with something else. Yeah, true, true, true. <laughs> the second Minior genius <laughs> chip. People I've done it again. Yeah. But then they're going to come up with a tech card that needs you to have a third mini or somehow. And then <laughs> quad mini or incoming. So, yeah. Eventually we get up to four mini or as the, as we keep teching back and forth. Um, but yeah, um, it was, uh, it's uh, definitely seems like, I mean, it, like I would tech, like currently my mindset is at San Antonio to either tech four or play in a deck that beats control. It's one of those decks that I want to be able to beat because Control is one of those decks, especially this kind of control, where there are always going to be a couple people who go pretty far. Like the deck people are going to ride that horse. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the deck doesn't need that many good matchups, that many good matchups to line up for it to like get pretty far. So, so at least one Solaris control player is going to hit, or two will kind of hit that streak and just kind of coast to a top eight. Um, it's one of those decks where I feel like it definitely can coast pretty heavily, and uh, expect to be decently popular as well. The popularity is probably going to go up. So I would personally be teching for it. Figure out. I don't know quite if Minior and Charizard does the trick, but maybe something like that. Um, I already think there might be a, a line for the matchup in Robin's build to actually win the matchup without teching for it. So I still want to like test that. But if I was playing a deck that didn't have a good Sonarx matchup and I could easily tech a Minior to make it a good Sonarx matchup, I'd probably put the Minior in personally. I just not a deck when it's that easy to tech for it potentially. It's just like not worth losing to that deck specifically with how easy it is for that deck to kind of make its way towards uh, solid finishes. And I guess since you're talking about Robin's deck, we can talk about Charizard next. There's still like a few ways out there to play it. We've kind of seen the Bieberel version fall by the wayside a little bit. It definitely feels like yeah. Pidgeot is the more popular variant at the moment. You did also in Brisbane have the list from Hayden Matthews with the Colrus and the Cramorant. I saw you playing that. I mean, it was fun for sure. Uh, on your stream a couple of days ago, and it did seem really cool. It definitely seemed better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, um, I can't recommend it over Pidgeot or TM mm -hmm. Evo, I don't think, but it was still a cool build, and it definitely is like, you know, it has all the things that make Charizard a powerful deck. So it's not really missing anything. It just doesn't feel quite as good as the playing the Pidgeot. I mean, any card you want each turn is pretty nice, or playing the. Um, TM Evolution build with the B barrel yeah. as well. And I think there was a B barrel build as the third Charizard on top eight here at Cadence. I think there the third one was a B barrel build, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, it was. So I mean, it is definitely like, uh, I mean, if we look at the lists in day two as a whole, yeah, it's, it's a pretty case. overwhelmingly Pidgeot. 
but Bibrel is still kind of hanging around there a little bit at least. So yeah, I mean, a, a couple different ways to go with the deck. I think I would prefer the Pidgeot a little bit right now. I think at LAIC, I was preferring Bibrel, but... Mortina. Yeah, seeing uh, that kind of... You know, Tina ran its course we'll a little its bit. Cycle. <laughs> the Tina cycle, really, beginning of the format, really hyped, really popular. Yeah. People remember, oh, wait, the deck sucks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll put the Tina down and go play something else that gives me a chance to win the tournament. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, like LAIC, a little bit more. I feel like I was like pretty set on Maraida being more popular at LAIC. It wasn't, it was less popular than I thought it would be. But between on then and Tina, then I think playing the B-Bear build felt a little bit better LAIC. But after that, it does kind of make sense to kind of put down the put down the TM Illusion B-Barrel stuff because Pidgeot's like kind of feels like the better card um, to be playing as your support engine. And Tina, where's it at? Nowhere to be seen. <clears throat> and Maridon, if you are doing the path stuff, most people are kind of copying what Juho had with like no judges to path, which isn't as oppressive in the early game against Charizard. And a lot of people are going to like a more turbo build which doesn't even have path to the peak in it at all. So yeah. it's like there's yeah, there's like if there's no path in the format, it definitely feels like the Pidgeot build is is the way to go. Although two of the other decks in top eight of Gdansk were Mew, and uh the B Rebel definitely has an ridiculously good Mew matchup. The Pidgeot build, it can kind of get trapped in the early game by those judges, the paths, the grabbers, uh, and the luxury if they play that as well. So if you really want a good Mew matchup, this tournament is in Europe. <laughs> uh, maybe the B Rebel build is the better way to go. Yeah, I think I would still go with the Pidgeot. It definitely would be unfortunate to get cheesed by the Judge Grabber stuff, but <laughs> uh, there are still ways you can play it. Um, I think you would want to probably play the Mew in the deck, which if you're playing Pidgeot, you probably are still playing Mew regardless. Um, yeah. People were not playing it in their Bibarel versions of the deck as much. But yeah, I think you do want to play the Mew because, you know, and, and then you probably just want to go first. Well... I don't know. Yeah, I feel. Yeah, I think going first against DT Mew. Yeah, and just give yourself a chance to put the Mew in play. Get the Mew in play. Get in the active. Also, Rotom's Rotom's a pretty big deal for that as well. Because like, then if you just draw into a stadium, even if you don't have Candy Charizard, you can just draw three cards. I do think the Rotom is probably the way to go with the deck. Yeah, I think. I think. I I actually don't understand why people even are mentioning Entei anymore. I think Entei just doesn't make any sense in the deck anymore. There's no matchups where you want to use that as an attacker anymore. I think Delphox would make more sense to include because Delphox is kind of good against everything until I know about it. Um, which means you can get that cheesy game or like maybe they just prize the Manaphy or whiff the Manaphy and then or forcing them to put the Manaphy in play could be a big hindrance to their their setup of what else they want to do. So I think the Delphox is better if you're going to include a V attacker. But I do like the Rotom over the Pidgeot, I think, as well. Um, I, I do like the collapsed in there. That's something Robin didn't run is actually did not run away to get rid of the Rotom, no Turo, no Collapse. I have been liking the Collapse as a way to get rid of Luminion or Rotom uh, as the game progresses, so they're not just kind of sitting there as a free two-prize Pokemon, but I don't think it's like a necessary inclusion, but it does feel nice. But I would definitely go Rotom over the Pidgeot V, for sure. So if you're playing Rotom, though, or sorry, if you're playing um, Charizard, though, you think you gotta have the Minior? Or you, I guess you said, you were saying that you think there's a line with yeah. Rotom's build where you don't oh, have to? Yeah, with the two Vacuum plus the Vitality Band, theoretically, you can go Boss KO rotom and then iono and the the reason the matchup is hard is because the rotom just sits there and draws some three cards every single turn but if you can eliminate that draw power and then iono them and disrupt their hand they had built up they're not gonna have access to kind of everything they want after that which is what they kind of had access to which they kind of have access to normally 
I think the Vitality Ban actually changes things up in that matchup for sure. Where you can get that boss KO on the Rotom. And you have a vacuum to remove the Bravery Charm from the Rotom. And then you also have a vacuum to remove the Bravery Charm from the Mimikyu. So then the Charm Healing can get a 1 hit KO. So, yeah, I kind of don't think... But obviously, you have a lot of Pokemon you could start with that you just lose. Luminion, yeah. Rotom, Mew, Banafee, Jirachi. Or if you get Eric's Invitation, you also lose. So, I don't know if... It, if just because you have that line, it makes the matchup good enough to not consider the Minior. So the Minior is definitely still a consideration as long as it actually does enough in the matchup. But just a thought for the the matchup with that, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. And also, I guess if they have the Mobile Defiance Band, you can vacuum the Defiance Band and then put on the Vitality Band on your Minior if you play that and you're hitting for 30. That's a three-hit KO as opposed to a five-hit KO. So wait, does Mobile have resistance to fighting? No, I right? don't think so. I hope not. That poor Minior, bro. Zero. <laughs> Mimic you? No. Yeah, mini, uh, uh, Mawile. Mawile. No, Mawile does not either. Okay, Mawile is resistant to... Oh, that's the wrong Mawile. It's resistant to nothing. Yeah. Also, big fan of the Level Ball Plus. I'll mention this as well. The Level Ball Plus 90 HP Charmeleon. Um, that's what I was something that we changed about our B-Barrel list for um laic laic we're doing a level we ball in there the deck, yeah. plus the 90 hp charmeleon and we're like this is just feels really good it helps the deck flow so much better puts way less pressure on rare candy because it's the 100 hp charmeleon is just committing an ultra ball to go get that is just sometimes not possible in the turns leading up to the turn you want your next charizard but using a level ball from an arvin or just naturally drawn into a level ball to go get the charmeleon is like really easy and the only thing you ever really want nest balls for in this build anyways would be like if you open nest ball uh, for a seal stone and then you're like i want to be able to nest ball for rotom to then use this for a seal stone but that like is such a uh situational thing the situation of level ball comes up way more often than that so definitely would recommend people try out to be honest you should just play the chart 90 hp charmeleon level balls. you don't need to try it out you'll do play one game with it and it'll just be better so <laughs> cut your nest balls add the 90 hp charmeleon it's the only other reason to play nest balls would be if you like played like the del fox or something maybe a one one split so there were two, two, two tournaments a couple weeks ago. It was Brisbane and Gdansk. And in Brisbane, we saw Guardi kind of dominate, right? There's yeah. three in top eight. It won the tournament. And Guardi is like a, a, a deck that, like, if you, you're talking European metagame, Guardi is something you expect to come out on top and be on top and as well. it did not do great in yeah. Gdansk. I mean, it did fine. Still, there's a couple in top 32, but... I mean, for the deck being as popular as it is and as good as we think it is in the meta as well, I mean, was it just getting cooked by these Mews having the box of disasters <laughs> in their deck? Like, um, it's, it's a good, tough question because we talked about this a little bit before. It's like they had the vacuums, right? The two, Rune and um, Brian, the two top-placing guard wars. I believe that was them, right? So Carl, Blake, Carl, 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 Blake. Rune and Carl um, had the vacuums, which like two box of disasters kind of like, you just need to be able to get to one of them and I feel like you're in a good spot. Also, you can completely change up how you play the matchup with Countercatcher now. Like, you can just ignore the Mew the whole game and just KO through Genesex. And Avery is, re like, you go, if you go Avery, if you discard two fusion Pokemon, Countercatcher, Guardi EX, got a big boy in the active, knock out a Genesect, like, kind of cooking. I think the big thing is, like, the, a lot of these were DTE Mews. A lot of them got three to four path. The Guardi players are cutting down, I think, to, like, three stadium pumps. It's usually, like, two stadiums vacuum. I don't know, did Rune or Carl have the worker or the third stadium in there? Um, I think that's the biggest thing is they're down to like three stadium pumps. Um, most people are, and that's gonna make the matchup. That makes the matchup a decent. Oh, there's the worker and a pal pad. Yeah, I don't know, it's but also like one of those one of those things where it's like, you know, sometimes it's just not. It doesn't look like the tournament is day. on Pokestats Live. I was gonna go with their pairings, but 
Yeah. Sometimes it's just not like even if you got the cards for the the situations, it's just not your day sometimes. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, also, uh, Tord did put the guardy down, and you know I wouldn't have been surprised to see Tord in top eight with a guardy, and I'm sure Tord would have loved that top eight with Gardvor. Probably liked it a little bit less with the Lost Box hitting the Charizard, um, in the uh, in top eight against top eight, Aaron. Yeah. And Aaron did have the Lost Cities in there as well. Yeah, that was the big difference maker. The fact that Tord couldn't get his Roaring Moon back. <laughs> Yeah, and there are some lost. A lot of the Charizards are caught in the lost cities. You also rock at least one lost city because of the lost zone decks with their moons. Gotta gotta shut that down immediately when it happens because it's kind of scary if they get to moon you twice. So yeah, I'm a big fan of that. But yeah, I don't know. It's maybe just kind of luck of the draw for the Guardians this time around because this meta looks pretty good for Guardian to me. Like I, I I would be like I would like to go up against the Charizards if the Charizards don't have the Vengeful punches and the Panic masks and stuff like that. And the Mew feels really comfortable right now for Guardia as well. You got the Avery, you got the Countercatcher. You have so many different ways to beat Mew now. Yeah. Um, I expect Guardia to to probably come out on top uh, more so than any deck. I think Guardia will be the the dominant deck at uh, what is the term? Well, it does always have that one thing holding it back, right? That's true. But there's a lot of really good European players who play Guardvor. Like we even just said, Rune, Carl uh brian all brought it to this one like there's a lot of really good european players who bring and who knows maybe tord will pick it up back up again and be like all right i had my i had my fun it's time to win this thing and pick the guard bar back up yeah brian was down to just two or sorry three path bumps, three bumps yeah and carl uh had did have the there's a worker so i had the four yeah had, had the, the four. four no pal pad though in this one yeah. uh yeah i don't know i think um I think Gardevoir definitely still. I think it just like it definitely feels like it underperforming in dance, and I think we'll still see yeah. it doing well. In, that's just like the the variance in the Pokemon uh, DCG, right? Like, yeah, it's like yes, it's like it would have been reasonable if you run this tournament back a couple more times. Guardi probably has a couple top eights more than it has no top eights, right? All right, so a deck I have not played yet, but I know you played it a little bit on stream at least. I don't know how much time you spent with it, and that's Luke Kirkham's Palkia deck. Is this deck yep. legit? Is this something that people should consider playing to this tournament? I don't think so. The deck is cool, and it's definitely like one of those decks where, like, when you it like it can hold itself, it can hold its own in the metagame. But I think it has too much of a tough time against too many of the, the better decks, like the like the Guardi, <clears throat> excuse me, and like the Charizard, <clears throat> excuse me. I think those are like the toughest ones, and those are like probably going to be the top two decks at the tournament. So. <laughs> Um, and that was, was one of the things I think we mentioned last week, uh, talking about Luke's run. Like Luke hit a lot of matchups that I think are like fine for the deck or even potentially favorable, which is like the Maridon. We played against two decks, Maridon and what Mew. Yeah, is that it? Yeah, and you got the Spirit Tomb in there. Like those are two like solid matchups. Like uh, yes, Palkia is weak to Lightning, but it doesn't really matter when you're just like you're just having a two price trade off, right? Why can't um, I? Not? We definitely looked at. It's just not on Pokey Stats anymore. Really. <laughs> The uh the this tournament, uh Gdansk. Or maybe we definitely in... looked at the the pairings of of oh, this, Brisbane's so... not here either. I don't know if Brisbane was up. I don't remember Brisbane? if Brisbane was up or not. But Gdansk, one hundred percent was because we looked at Luke's. Yeah, we looked at it. It's not so, there. I don't know. It's it's, it's gone. <laughs> yeah, okay. I would I would I would say it's not a terrible deck. Like it's definitely solid. Um, uh, but what I thought about it, kind of my initial impressions of it, was, it was just like good player with uh. A refined list of an of a pretty uh, unknown deck, and I think that's what like led to Luke's success more so than the de deck being like the new you know top tier one tier two deck. It's cool, but yeah, wouldn't recommend it. 
the other question, you know, this is a tournament in Europe. Europe, yeah. So we know one card is really popular in Europe. We can see it here in this day too. <laughs> Mew VMAX, popular deck choice. <laughs> it's popular all over the place, but for some reason in Europe, it just feels like it's always <laughs> doing so, so good. So the question here is, should you either be playing Mew or Spiritomb? Like, should one of those two things be true about your deck for this weekend? Like, should you be playing Mew or should you be playing, maybe not just like Spiritomb specifically, but like a deck that beats Mew, like... I Something think... that you're feeling like going in, yeah, I've got it like a, a lost Tina with a Drapion in it, you know? Yeah. I think the way the meta is naturally progressing is making it worse for Mew. So I wouldn't play Mew. Um, and then I would, yeah. And, and because of that, I would just say play whatever you're, you've been rocking. Maybe if you're playing Maridon, consider a Spiritomb or a Drapion. Maybe. And I think I would go with Spiritomb over Drapion because Spiritomb is really, really good against control. Um, because taking away that Rotom draw power is like very like it's just like crippling. To and you the don't deck. care about benching it because its attack pops it back to your hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you play switch cards. Like you have like yeah, you don't care. I, 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 because of the attack, it just makes it kind of like really good um for that matchup. So I would probably lean towards Spirit Tomb over the Drapion for the control matchup. Um so Mariah would be like one of the decks where I'd consider it. Because I don't I mean a Mew, if Mew is eleven percent, eleven percent again. I would play it. It's just it's so hard to like fathom the idea of Mew being eleven percent of the metagame with how much hype there is around Charizard right now and how popular of a deck Guardi consistently is kind of overall, but it's it feels like it has a little bit a couple extra percentage points in Europe usually. Like if it's twelve percent in North America, it's fourteen percent in Europe as far as Guardi goes. And I think that matchup is really good for Guardi with the way Guardi decks are built right now. Like I think it's like got Avery, you know, especially if all the Guardi players are gonna add that fourth stadium bump as well, like yeah, I would not. I wouldn't recommend playing you, but I also don't think you have to attack for it as well. And because of that, I wouldn't tech for it. Well, but but honestly, I don't know, dude. Maybe there's something in the water in Europe where like, <laughs> people it's like forces people to play Mew. So maybe I would tech for it because I wouldn't recommend playing it. But if it's just going to be still 11% gonna play it, again, but they're still going to play it, so <laughs> they're not. They don't care what I say. Like as soon as we said not to play Mew, all right, I'm play Mew. <laughs> like, so tech maybe don't play Mew, but also tech for it is like the correct answer when uh, going to a European event. Well, let's get through some predictions here. We got three written out. First prediction, most popular deck in day one of the tournament. At Gdansk, it was Maridon by a long shot. Do you think that holds true what again, Azul? What was the second most popular deck? I actually forget. Was it was, I think it it by was Gardevoir? That it makes sense, right? Yeah, I'll double check real quick. But I'm pretty sure it was Gardevoir. Yeah, it was Gardevoir. It was 16% Maridon. Oh. Here, I'll just open this up. Dude, that's just that's also just kind of ridiculous. <laughs> it's Honestly, just one LAIC, you know? Well, yeah, but that's like, and I guess it is like it was a quick turnaround. Too. And also, like the meta was a little bit unfigured out, and people were kind of up in the air. So, like they saw it win, and they're like, "Okay, that's cool. It won. I'm gonna play Maridon," because they were like, a lot of people weren't sure what they wanted to do. And they're kind of it's a little bit of a normie out. deck too, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's good, it's but it's also the like casual... the deck that just like the masses, will, like the casual will play. This is true. Yeah. That is true. And also, Lost Tina being in the top six, like it's just this is just ridiculous. This is just, this is a completely European tournament. But I will predict Guardi to be the most popular deck. I think pretty solidly. Uh, not too solidly, actually. Charizard will be close behind, so like yeah. by a percent or two. I think Guardi will be the most popular, though. You know what? You're saying Mew? I'm sticking to the guns. It's Maridon <laughs> once again, <laughs> baby. Maridon still being most popular. Turbo people build's just, pretty cool, though. People just want to amp you very much, bro. True. That's Honestly, a bad deck. Honestly, as well, Maridon, if you think Gardevoir's going to be the most popular deck, dude, Maridon 
has a good Gardevoir matchup right now. Yeah, but Char it does not have a great Charizard matchup. It does not. And you're in Europe. That means Mew's going to be there. But okay, put the Spirit But you can in. tech for it. You can tech That's for true. Mew. Spirit Tomb is pretty cool against Charizard, too, because it shuts down the Luminion and the Rotom. And the Rotom, if they're the going Rotom. to Rotom. And Pidgeot. Like, you can trap the Pidgeot V in play as well. I guess that's another thing you could do. Spirit Tomb is so awkward <laughs> to play Maraud on, though, because you turn off Fleet Footed. And <laughs> after, still survive. after your turn one, though, Fleet Footed is your draw engine. <laughs> that oh, one card of turn, bro. You got Mew EX. In the Turbo Bill, you got that Mew EX. You do have the Mew EX. You do have the Mew EX. We're drawing three now. We forgot about Fleet Footed. No one cares anymore. We don't need it. <laughs> All right, over, under, you know, it is Europe, so we got to have at least one prediction about Mew. Over, under, 2.5 Mew <clears throat> in top eight. There were two in this last top eight. I feel like it should be 1.5, shouldn't it? You also have the line at 1.5? Well, isn't 1.52? If you pick over, it's two in top eight, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think there should be three in top? No, it's got to be 1.5 for sure. All right, then we're going to put the line at 1.5. <clears throat> I'm going under for sure. There's just no way, the way the metagame is headed... I mean, unless there is 16%. I mean, the way you're predicting the meta, it makes sense for Mew to be two in top eight because you're predicting Maridon to be the most popular deck. You already know what I'm going to say then. Mew on the over, baby. Doesn't matter if people are teching for it. Mew finds a way. Yeah, that's true. And one final prediction. And it's probably like the most talked about deck to tech for, the Snorlax... You think people are going to be taking for it, Chip? How high are you placing Sorax at this tournament? Yeah, that is the question. I mean, it's got, it has insane results this format so far, right? We've got a top eight LAIC. We've got two top eights in Brisbane. And we've got a win in Gdansk with a bunch more in top 32, by the way. Like Snorlax yeah. did really good hmm. the last few tournaments. People are going to respect it. Snorlaxes are going to respect the respect. They're going to have their own little ways to try to answer the miniors, really. I'm going to give Snorlax the top 16. I think it misses top eight, but I still think it does really well. I'm going to give it the top four because I think I think we're going to see the classic case of tech exists, but I'm not going to play that. But people don't play the tech. Um, nah, I feel dude, like people are playing mini or for sure. No, nah, I'm predicting for San Antonio. I think more people will tech for it because we're going to see another top four from it here. <laughs> uh in um where are we going stuttgart here in stuttgart top four for the snorlax then people will finally be like okay you kind of got a tech for it now this is ridiculous but it will lose to a mini or in top four there will be someone with a mini or who stops it in top if four. this exact sequence happens like <laughs> dude we just have to predictions forever yeah like the player like the player and the who players who like teched for this the this matchup will specifically uh thrive and they'll Who's hit the that snorlax player? uh i don't i mean i would say um Kremisoli if he's going but he's been playing the pidgeot in there i don't I don't think playing a six dead cards like those just seem like they're too they're too bad in too many matchups it might be better than i'm giving it credit for but um, it was pretty good geez. against me at laic yeah it, in some matchups it's ridiculous because like there's a lot of decks that can't kill it <laughs> so you just get to find your free card every turn but some matchups you don't want to put it in play and then it's just like six dead cards i don't know but the deck is like so weird how it wins games like you don't need that much to win games in a lot of matchups as well. I have no clue to be honest. Like, I got no idea who's going to be that. You know what? Let's give it to Kremisoli. As long as Kremisoli is going, lock it in. The Pidgeot makes it. Yeah, then Minior cleans him up. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I got the top 16. You got the top four. We'll see who's closer, and we'll wrap it back next week and recap these predictions and see who was correct. I got the top um, four from Kremisoli losing to a Minior. That's specifically yeah, that line. That's, that's a crazy line. What do you man? think the odds on that would be? Like, if you're actually, like, 
if, a like that. if we had the pokey sports book here yeah <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous yeah insane odds yeah, yeah. premise only line pays bro. Out big time for sure <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a bunch to everyone for listening and for your support as always. As well, you got anything else you want to say before we wrap it up and get to the uh, the bonus episode here? No, no, it was a fun episode this time around. Yeah, we were a little bit worried going into this. One, I'm not gonna lie, we didn't have like a ton of topics to talk about, but we always find a way. We find a way. Stay yapping. So uh, no problem. <laughs> was fluent in Japanese. <laughs> thanks so much for the support as always guys if you want to stay connected with us the best place to do that is over on twitter you can follow myself at chip richie azul at azul underscore gg you can also keep up to date with the podcast at uncommon underscore energy yeah appreciate the support as always catch you all next week wednesday 7 a.m eastern good luck to all those headed to stuttgart tech from you